Welcome to The Real Talk with Tanya Sakowitz podcast, where we help parents and caregivers gain knowledge to increase their confidence and their success in caring for young children. We will cover topics like feeding your baby, getting your baby and you some much needed sleep, and pretty much anything else that has to do with caring for babies and their families after birth. Society sets parents up to fail, and we are here to change that. You can also find full video versions of each episode on our YouTube channel, Newborn Care Solutions. Thanks for tuning in. Good evening and welcome to Real Talk, where every Sunday night we offer insight, education, and resources to in-home caregivers and those affected in their world. These are the children, the parents, the families, and everyone who loves them. And our goal is to offer real-life topics and learning through discussing real issues and offering real solutions. And tonight, I'm very excited to welcome our guest, Jennifer Jonas. Welcome, Jennifer. It's great to have you. Hey, Tanya. It's great to be here. Perfect. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Jennifer. Um, I'm also going to show off a little bit of her work. Um, You you guys are probably like, why is Tanya in a t-shirt? I normally never wear a t-shirt, but we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. And then we're going to dig into another aspect of things where Jennifer is really an expert and has some great information to share with you. But first, let me tell you a little bit about her. So Jennifer has been in the healthcare field since 2011. She graduated with a bachelor's in nursing from the University of Florida and from the University of South Alabama with her master's. She worked seven years in labor and delivery before becoming a family nurse practitioner working in urgent care settings. Since the COVID shutdown, and a move from Florida to Tennessee, she's been working as a stay-at-home mother to four kids and creating a side business, selling apparel and gifts for birth workers, which is where the t-shirt comes in. So I'm going to show you guys really quick. So this is one of her t-shirts, and I love it. Um, and it's been washed multiple times and has held up really well, which is great, and didn't shrink. So that was our bulk bonuses for me. Um, despite all the career changes... Her true passion still remains with all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, with a special love for VBAC, vaginal birth after cesarean. As a labor and delivery nurse, it was her mission to help her patients find and maintain their voice and autonomy during the laboring process. We all love that. (laughs) In her spare time, she enjoys getting the kids, ranging from eight years to one year old, out of the house. Their favorite places are parks and playgrounds around the beautiful Knoxville, Tennessee area. She is a lover of coffee, espresso, and chocolate, and has been known to stash Oreos away from the kids to enjoy in peace after they're all in bed. And we were chuckling a little bit about that because I did that last week too (laughs) um, before we started. So tonight we're going to dig into an aspect of Jennifer's work, which doesn't have to do with the t-shirts, but is about patient advocacy. But before we get into all that, Jennifer, maybe tell us one fun fact or tell us a little bit about your shirts and apparel or whatever you want to share with our audience. Sure. I I am wearing one of mine. um, It says postpartum matters. Um, But a funny thing when we were talking before um, that I thought of about my Oreo situation (laughs) is a few years back, I had um, stashed some Oreos, but this time I put them in like a drawer in, 
in my bedroom and I forgot about them for a few days. Like my husband and I, we went vacation or something for a few days. And when we came back, um, we had a mouse in the house (laughs) and this mouse had ate through my Oreos of all things. I went into a drawer and found my Oreos. So since then, I never put anything in, in our room. Um, but yeah, that was back in Florida. I thought about that. And I'm like, of all the things, right? A mouse. <laughs> that was our first and only encounter with having a mouse. But yes. Right. So what are your favorite kind of Oreos? Oh, double stuffed. <laughs> double stuffed. Are you tra- traditional, the chocolate Oreo with the vanilla filling? Oh, yeah. Double stuffed and, and with milk. I see. <laughs> I, so I'm, I'm a fan of the golden ones. I like the, the gold, the double stuffed golden ones. <laughs> Those are my favorites, <clears throat> but we could talk Oreos all night. Right. Especially with all the flavors they have coming out. Some of which my children are horrified by, um, but nevertheless, um, we're going to get into our topic. So let's talk about exactly what you mean. Let's start with Tell me what patient advocacy means, and then we'll get into this a little more. Yeah. Um, So patient advocacy um, is uh, like the little textbook definition. I wrote it down for us. (laughs) Um, It's preserving human dignity and promoting patient equality and providing freedom from suffering. So essentially, you know, treating people like humans, you know, treating them like you would your best friend who come in for healthcare needs. So making sure that we're doing um, what what needs to be done to help people, you know, not suffer, um, treating them like equals, um, not like undermining people or, you know, not considering them in decisions. Well, fantastic. So one of the things we hear a lot from people, or I hear a lot from people, is that they're afraid to speak up or they don't know to speak up. So I would love if you could share some information around what does it mean to advocate for yourself? You know, kind of what does that mean? How do you do that? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of it depends on like how much time do you have, right? Mm -hmm. So like in my experience doing labor and delivery, right? So um, when you're pregnant, you know, most of the time, you know, you're pregnant and you know, you're, you're going to go to the doctor um, on a certain day and, or, you know, your practitioner on a certain day, you're going to go in to have your baby eventually. Um, So making sure to educate yourself the best you can based on the situation that you're found in. So labor and delivery, educate yourself as much as you can about, what's going on with pregnancy, if it has to do with like your children, you know, having a baby um, or having a, a child, you know, you're going to face vaccines and things like that. And um, just kind of, or, or different tests they might run, want to run on you or the child. So being a little bit more informed, making sure to ask questions. And I have um, a uh, acronym that I can talk about in a little bit, but yeah, making sure you're educated. Okay. And so if somebody says, okay, I'm, I'm educated, but when I go in doctors, I feel like they just talk at me. Mm -hmm. So is it okay to ask questions? And if so, what kind of questions should people be asking to get quality information? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You should definitely ask questions. I would, I, I would never 
<clears throat> recommend just going along with, with the flow. Um, and there's a great acronym. It's, it's called BRAIN. And so it goes over different things that you can ask about. So if they want to um, do like a procedure or run a test, you can ask BRAIN as B, um, benefits, risk, alternative, your intuition, and nothing or next. And so what, what that means is you'll, these are the lines of questions you could ask. So brain would um, be is benefits. So what are the benefits of doing X, Y, Z, whatever it is? Um, and then listen to them, you know, tell you what they think the benefits are. And if necessary, ask questions about that. At every point, you you should be able to ask a question, um, ask what the risks are, you know, what, what happens if we do do this? Um, you know, what can happen or, you know, what has happened before that kind of thing? Um, what are the alternatives? Um, so if we don't do this, what else can we do? Right. That's for a, and then I is intuition or gut. What's your gut telling you? Um, how do you feel about it? You know, like, is this something, you know, that you feel comfortable with that sort of thing? And then nothing is, well, what if we do nothing? What if we wait? Um, or also is next for N as well is, okay, we do this. What happens next? Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are um, a great acronym to kind of guide your focus when discussing things with your provider. Okay. And so if somebody says, great, I've asked all these questions um, I got answers. How does it work if I don't want to do this? Um, or how does it work if I'm okay doing it? Let's talk a little bit about consent because a lot of times people think they can't say no. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people even have shared with me that they feel like they never were given an opportunity to even give consent. Let's talk about like what that looks like when they should be speaking up and what informed consent really is. Yeah. So we can start with informed consent and um, informed consent. There are a couple of different elements um, to informed consent. And that is that your provider has explained to you on a level that you can understand. So, you know, they can talk all the medical terms they want, but what they need to do is make sure that they're breaking it down for you to understand on whatever level you're at. Um, and if you don't understand, you know, it's important for people not to feel um, shy or ashamed to be like, I'm sorry, I don't understand. Can you explain that another way? You know, and it's as simple as that. And sometimes it's, it's those people are around um, medical people all day and they forget, you know, so just simply saying, I don't really understand what that means. Can you explain it another way? So informed consent is that you understand and that they, they do tell you the risks that can happen. Um, and you know, all the things they expect to happen so that you, you are informed and that you have the choice to say yes or no, there's informed consent and informed refusal. Um, Mm -hmm. you don't have to go along with what it is that they're wanting to do. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody says, you know what, all that sounds great, but I'm really intimidated. Now, for me personally, I got a pretty big personality. I'm not terribly intimidated in a lot of situations, but even I feel uncomfortable in a medical setting, sometimes speaking up. 
doesn't mean mm-hmm. I don't do it. I do it anyway, even if I'm uncomfortable. But a lot of people don't have that level of boldness. And so if they say, I don't, I don't know how to do this. Is there an avenue where there's support for them? Is there a way that they can get a little bit of backup if they need some help in advocating for themselves? Sure. So if we're talking about in, in a general sense of being in a, in a, in a hospital, there's always going to be um, like a social work or patient care um, advocate. I think they are even, there's even positions called patient care advocate where they can help you. Maybe they'll break it down so you can understand. Um, there are those routes. But when we're talking about in the sense of what I'm most familiar with, which would be the labor and delivery type of realm, you absolutely um, can surround yourself with like-minded people. Um, For example, like a doula, Um, there are, you know, doulas who will walk with you. um, And and I'll say this, even in doing, in doing uh, my business, I've learned that there's more than one kind of doula. There are full spectrum doulas that will will be there for you from conception until postpartum, you know, they'll, or even with infertility, there's all kinds of um, doulas out there. So meeting with a doula will help you when you get to your labor site um, in being that middle ground person so they can communicate. Cause a lot of times in labor and delivery, you're going to go meet that nurse um, for the very first time, or even the provider who ends up delivering your baby um, or helping you to deliver your baby um, will be the first time you meet them sometimes. So having a doula at your side um, can be really helpful in bridging the gap of communication. Yeah. And if a doula is not an option um, or, you know, as somebody, if somebody's told in the hospital, like I was when my son was born, now this was 17 years ago, Um, But, oh, I'm sorry, that person's only here Monday through Friday, nine to five, and I happen to be inconvenient and have my baby on a weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else would you tell somebody who says, I don't know, what do I do? Can a partner be an an advocate? Um, What are their options? Yes, definitely. Um, And a lot of times you'll see um, that your partner is going to be your best advocate, honestly, because maybe sometimes I guess maybe um, you don't know about doulas. Cause I, I honestly, it took me a long time, even as a labor nurse to know about doulas. I think that it's becoming more and more relevant, more and more um, common. Um, but yes, your partner, if you have, that's the best thing. And even in like in a marriage, they'll say communication is key, right? So having a family member with you, um, having a spouse or a partner with you um, to be able to have a second set of ears to listen and communicate and ask questions for you. Um, Honestly, I do that a lot with my husband, right? Because I'm more medically inclined than he is. So he might not um, think of certain questions and I'm like, oh, but what about this? Mm -hmm. So having a family member or friend with you um, is definitely um, recommended. Yeah, absolutely. I know years ago I was um, my friends, I wasn't their labor doula, but I was their labor support person um, because their spouse decided having kids wasn't on their agenda um, and left. And uh, I absolutely had to be the advocate um, because she had one particular healthcare provider in in the birth setting that um, she did not like. 
and who was very abrupt and very um, unsympathetic to the situation that she was facing. And ultimately, I was that voice that said, this is not okay. You don't get to talk to her that way. And if you do, you get to leave the room. Um, And so I, I think it's great that you mentioned that friends can do that also, because a lot of times people think it has to be a family member. Uh, when we're talking about support and advocacy, uh, is this something that people can do in a birth center? Is it something they can do in a home birth? Is something they can do only in a hospital? Kind of what does that look like? No, absolutely. You can um, have advocacy at any time that, you know, um, like a, a decision needs to be made or something, you know, um, at any point, anywhere that you can have, um, somebody in your, in your court to help, um, or, or even yourself, if you feel comfortable with it, you know, um, the thing about, uh, pregnancy that I think a lot of people forget is that you have bodily autonomy, um, no matter what, it is your choice. It's, it's, it's your body. You, you get to decide the next step, even in a medical setting or at home, um, however you choose to do it. Um, it. It's unfortunate where you'll hear someone say, oh, well, my, my provider won't let me go past this point. Well, they don't let you do anything. They might recommend that you don't stay pregnant for this long, mm-hmm. but they don't let or do, or not let you do something. That's, that's your choice. Right. Um, so related to that, that brings up another quick question, hopefully quick (laughs) for your your sake. Um, what if somebody says, well, using your example, my doctor says they won't let me go beyond this state. And if I don't agree to that, they're going to fire me as a patient. Um, and having been somebody not fired, but, um, having had the practice shut down 37 weeks into my pregnancy, uh, how does somebody go about finding another provider or, or having an open discussion if that's kind of what they've been told? Yeah. Um, so in, in the best case scenario, you're not in a small town where that's the only provider available, right? Um, and you don't have to, but, but at any point, you know, really, it's your right to say, "Mm, I don't agree with your philosophy and I'm going to find someone else, you know? Um, And so a lot of times what I'll recommend in this day and age is, is Facebook, right? Go to your local parent Facebook page and, and ask other people what their experience has been with certain providers so that, you know, you can align your philosophy with your care, your caretakers philosophy, you know, who, who's your provider, who's going to take care of you. I think that's a, a great, easy way for our generation to, to handle it. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it is 100% a misconception that you can't change providers. Because um, yeah. I had somebody say that to me just last week. And they're like, yeah, but I'm like 29 weeks along. I can't change providers. I was like, oh, yes, you can. <laughs> um, so around this topic, around anything else, what else? Is there anything else you'd love for our audience to know? about advocacy or around this whole process? Um, Just maybe to reiterate um, that whole body autonomy thing, um, because I think that's really important is that um, you have the right 
to disagree. Um, now, of course, you know, it's important to not disagree with every, or to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just resistant to everything, you know, hear people out and, and get all the sides. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes there are medical indications for things that, um, you know, you have to kind of change your plan, right. Mm-hmm. Or change your, your, your wishes for your, your care, um, mm-hmm. depending on how things go. So to be flexible, but also to know, to educate yourself and, and to be comfortable, work on being comfortable asking questions. Um, cause it's really important. Yeah, no, I love that you said that, um, because being open to hearing different perspectives, is a good idea for a whole lot of reasons. Um, one, you know, we aren't medical professionals necessarily, so we don't always know what's going on. Um, but you can't really expect somebody to be open and listen to your opinion if you're not willing to listen to theirs too. So absolutely. Well, we are already at the end of our time for today, but thank you for joining us. It is always great to learn from people in every aspect of the birth industry. And it's been fun to have you on and, and share some really great takeaways. So thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you. It's been great. And thank you to our audience for joining us tonight. If you have any questions about this topic or anything else related to patient advocacy and support systems for parents, put them in the feed and tag Jennifer or tag newborn care solutions. And we'll make sure you get answers. And also, if you want to rewatch this segment or catch any of our past episodes, along with all of our other educational content, you can go to newborncaresolutions.com and click on the education tab or look us up on our YouTube channel, Real Talk Newborn Care Solutions in the search engine. We'll bring it all up for you. Thanks so much and have a great night. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk with Tanya Sackowitz podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And if you liked what you heard, please share it on social media or send it directly to someone you think might benefit. It would also be a huge support if you could rate and review the podcast on whatever player you're currently listening on so that other people can find the content easier. You can also connect to us by following us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok, or checking out our website at newborncaresolutions.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Real Talk Podcast with Tanya Sackowitz.